Hey, you can't fire me. I'm your pastor. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, Dan Miller here. Yes, this is the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take about 48 minutes to dive into your real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Well, you know, you might think that there are some jobs that are just immune from firing, but frankly, I can't think of any. I mean, last week, we had at one of our events, a tenured professor who had just gotten fired. Now, that usually means you can't be fired when you're tenured. That means you're locked in. Golly, I mean, you can be incompetent if you want to, and you're still going to get keep your job. But you know what? If enrollments are down and universities don't have money, those old rules go away. So I don't know of any jobs that are immune from firing. Pastors are being fired in droves. Got a story today about one of those. We have to remember security is never in the job, but in knowing your skills and how they transfer to other organizations. That's what you have to know. How do your skills transfer? You ought to see yourself as self-employed no matter what, even if you do have one customer, meaning that wouldn't look kind of like a job. And certainly as a pastor, You're an employee. You know, you aren't the boss. You're an employee. Somebody's paying your salary. And if they decide they don't want you there, yep, you're going to be out the door and it happens a lot. Well, here's some other questions we'll be looking at today. How does one go through a career hunting process when they are very happy in their current career, but are being forced to make a change? Dan, how can I reinvent myself for a new career? How about this one? Every job I see, I don't meet the qualifications since I'm just a customer service rep. And then we'll look at this one that I already referenced. I recently got fired. Should I find another job as a pastor? Get my PhD or what? Well, we'll have fun kind of dissecting some of those. Here's our quotation for the day. It comes from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, when it is dark enough, you can see the stars. How about that for a thinker? Hey, I've got a little poem as well. We've got somebody in the 48 Days community. His name is Cliff uh, Cliff Feitner. Got to pronounce his last name right. He told me how to pronounce it. Cliff Feitner. He writes poems. He's been writing poems about work and jobs related to the blogs that I put out there. And he recently sent me 48 poems. There are 12 chapters in 48 Days to the Work You Love. Cliff wrote four poems for each chapter, sent me an entire document with 48 poems. What a delight. I love how people just see ways to add value and just step up to the plate and do that. Well, here's one. Here's one of Cliff's 
poems. I'm going to start pulling these and just add them into the podcast here and there. Is there a way to ensure that your job's safe and secure? Are you going to bend with every trend and successfully go around each detour? That's a little poem from Cliff. Thank you, Cliff, for that. Well, I'm going to read a note from him in a little bit because it relates to one of the questions I ask here as well. But uh, Cliff is real active in the 48 Days Eagles group, makes a contribution there. And I want you to know a little bit more about his background. I also get people that send me uh, news articles, you know, tips about the workplace, things that are happening, humor. How about this? Here's a, a recommendation letter somebody sent me. These And I put my own note here these days, more and more people are reluctant to say anything negative about a former employee. And that's certainly true. I mean, you're going to have somebody, even if they fired you because they didn't like you, uh, they're not going to be saying negative things about you when they're asked for referral notes. Just not going to happen. But here's a recommendation letter that uh, somebody sent me. So I'm asking you, would you hire this person? So here, listen very carefully to this. This is classic. I love this. To whom it may concern, I most heartily recommend this candidate with no qualifications whatsoever. I am sure that no person would be better for the job. He'd like to work for you in the worst possible way. You will be very fortunate to get this person to work for you. Is that great or what? I love that. You can read everything that's written in two ways and recognize this person doesn't want to recommend this person at all, but they wrote this glowing recommendation where if you aren't careful, you could see it as a very positive recommendation. Well, a lot of those floating around out there. Feel free to send me those. I love getting those. Just shoot it to askdan at 48days.com. I love those kind of tidbits, the little added value that you all do for the 48 days podcast here. Well, a couple, just a couple of announcements here, things I want you to know about. One is logo maker. Now, a lot of people ask about, you know, how can I get a logo made? And there's a company here in Nashville that has a standard $15,000 fee for designing a logo. Now they do good work. Granted, do I think a logo is worth $15,000? No, not really. Now, I'm going to give you a real uh, inexpensive version here, and then I'll talk about some of the options that I think do make sense. But if you go to logomaker.com, it's going to blow your mind. Uh, we, we went there. Somebody ordered us to that. For $39, you can get a logo. And here's the thing. You put in your company details, your name, whatever you, you want the theme to be, and I'm not talking... Three weeks later, I'm talking 15 seconds. You get hundreds of logos. Now, obviously, those are not ones where they worked your term into some kind of a design. I mean, they're, they're pre-made, but they're really, really good. I mean, I was blown away. And you can look at it without putting in, you know, a credit card or paying anything. You can, you can put in, you can see them instantly. Then if you want to save them, then you pay the $39 and you can save the entire file and have hundreds of them. Now here's how we're going to use this. And we are going to use this. I love this feature. We're not going to use it for 48 days. You know, we're not going to use it for 48 days. Eagles. Those are major brands where we want it to be really refined and we want it to be done well. And with that, we've had the 48 Days logo, as we have it now. We've had it reworked, revamped, reiterated, probably 
five or six times over the years, over 20 years, we've had it redone. So we, we freshen it up just like Coca-Cola does other major brands. You see how they have changed them over the years. So we do that. And typically we're going to spend maybe five, $600 with a company to, to help us do that. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about what we'll use this for logo maker is like for courses that we want to add or eBooks we want to bring on. My gosh, what a, what a cool thing to have a neat little logo there. It really adds to the professionalism. So check it out. Gally, I recommend it. Have fun with it. Hey, I also want to announce that um, our good friend Cliff Ravenscraft is doing his very first workshop in the training space that he built into his new house. Now, if you know Cliff's story, you know, he came out of working in the insurance business with his dad, got into this thing we call podcasting, um, proclaimed himself the podcast answer man, which he certainly is, and has just rocketed with what he's done there. That allowed them to build, he and Stephanie and the kids, to build a beautiful new house just outside of Cincinnati. I've been there. It's gorgeous. And in the bottom, the basement of that is Cliff's studio and an area where he can have live events there. So he's going to be doing an event there. And the, the theme is, do you want to build a business around your podcasting? So if you've got a podcast and you want to know how to guys like Clifford Evanscraft and Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas and Dan Miller and certainly a lot of others, you know, leverage their podcast, Cliff is the guy. Cliff is the guy that I go to. The workshop's going to be on June 16th and 17th. So you got a couple weeks to get your name in there, but you need to do that. And if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash next level workshop. That's the link you need. And I'll put it in the show notes, but it's podcastanswerman.com slash next level workshop. So I highly recommend that. Go there and check that out if you want to get in the game with this fun thing we call podcasting. You, you know I love podcasting. I mean, it's no secret. I make no secret about the fact of recording the podcast is one of the highlights of my week to look at the questions. Um, 75% of podcasts that are out there have an interview format. So they're interviewing people. That's pretty expected. This one, as you know, is not. I answer you, the listeners, questions on this. So it's different. Now I get people who are not familiar with the format, apparently, because they don't take time to look or listen. And I get countless requests for guests on here. Well, it's just not the way that I'm set up. But if, if you want to have a podcast and just have a, a steady flow of guests, my gosh, it's not, not difficult to do it at all. You can have people all day long who would like to be get interesting people, people who are writing books, have new courses and so on. You can get them on there all day long if you want to do that. So anyway, if you want to know how to podcast well, certainly connect with Cliff. Now, here's a question that comes from Jack. And he says, Dan, I've been listening for a few years now as your online radio show helps me keep inspired. I'm a successful plumbing and HVAC contractor in my 30s. I state that I'm successful, not because I make a lot of money, but because I like what I do and I've struck a great balance between the work that I love, money, free time with the family and the hobbies I love. I've just recently... Excuse me, I've just recently learned that I have a fairly major medical condition that may force me to make a career change. I found this news to deflate me quite a bit. My question is, how does one go through a 
career hunting process when they're very happy in their current career but are forced to make a change and stay positive. My strengths are within exactly what I do right now. Thank you. Wow. Okay, let's help help Jack with this right here. For one thing, I, I love the way you frame this. You say you state that you're successful, not because I make a lot of money, but because I like what I do and I've struck a great balance between the work that I love, money, free time with my family and the hobbies I love. Boy, that is a, you know, it reminds me, we, well, we had a quotation today. Our quotation today was from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I've, that reminds me of another quotation of his. And it's this, to laugh often and much to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life is breathed easier because you have lived, this is to have succeeded. Jack, the way you'd state what you're doing there, I love the way you frame that. You're successful. Because you have a life that's balanced and gives you joy in a lot of different areas. This morning, I was at an early morning epic breakfast with our friends Brian Dixon and Carrie Oberbrenner, who are in town for Coaching with Excellence. But we had a breakfast with a bunch of brilliant people. And my daughter Ashley was there and was talking about how they chose to live on the road. They travel full time. But they chose to give up her husband's very significant income as a real estate agent. Because... They decided they would rather have him spend time with the family than to have that income, which was above and beyond what they needed to live well. Pretty interesting kind of choice that many people never make, but that's exactly how she framed it. Now, as to your question, Jack, here, you are a successful plumbing and heating, air conditioning guy. That's what you love doing. You know that, and now because of a medical condition, you don't share what that is, but apparently you're not going to be able to be that active physically anymore. I would encourage you to start with what you already know, love, and enjoy. Start with how, what has made you successful in the plumbing and heating air conditioning business. What has set you apart? What is it about that that you enjoy? Why have you been able to do well when others haven't? Look at is there information there, unique area of expertise where you can share how you got into that industry, how you did that well, and put that together in a way that may be an ebook, maybe a little course that you create for somebody, it may be a morning seminar that you do. I mean, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. I mean, what he did first, the very first thing he did was after being fired as an architect, he put together a little course on how to help architects take the um, certification training test that they needed to take, just how to prepare for that. That was really successful for him. So he moved out of doing the actual work to teaching others how to be successful in the industry where he had just been fired. I mean, that's a pretty cool transition and, of course, a very positive way to look at it. But I would encourage you to do that same thing here. I mean, you've heard me talk about countless examples of people who have been very successful in terms of making money doing something, but then they discover the power of teaching other people how to do that well and triple and quadruple their income. I mean, there's certainly a lot of old ones out there like Robert Allen, you know, zero down real estate. Well, yes, he was a successful guy in real estate. Uh, he made 
uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate deals. And then he made millions and millions of dollars uh, teaching other people how to find great real estate deals. You know, how to take uh, an apartment complex and you know, buy it, rehab it, add two more units to it, taking out the laundry rooms and, you know, then resell it, those kind of things. But I want to look for what it is that you already know about the industry that you love. How could you share with other people that information and be paid for that? Stephen says, Dan, I love your books and your and recently discovered your podcast. God bless you for ministering to all of us in so many ways. I've been employed as a chef for 30 years and absolutely love what I do. About six years ago, I started a catering business, which unfortunately did not result in earning enough income for me to stay self-employed. I've kept the business open, which does earn part-time income. After much thought, consideration, and prayer, I've decided to rename my business and to reinvent myself as a chef. With a new look and a better, more focused marketing effort, I'm confident that I can do what I love and earn a great income at the same time. Would you have any advice for me or anyone else reinventing themselves, needing a makeover? It sounds like you're really on the right track here, Stephen. It sounds like, you know, you're not really having to reinvent yourself. You're just going back to something that you did for 30 years already. So the fact that you took a little detour and went into a catering business, I mean, that's not a blemish on your resume. I mean, you can put together a resume showing your credentials as a chef where you really minimize the focus on what you did the last six years, that catering business. You can position yourself even in doing that primarily as a chef. So there's no blemish or detour at all in how you present yourself. Focus on the things that you did. You may want to use a functional as compared to a chronological resume where the functional focuses right in the front on those areas of competence that you have. So do that and show the unique skills that you have as a chef. Talk about the things that you did to increase revenue and wow customers You know, you can talk about those things and then you can, in just a few lines, identify the places where you've been connected. So you can totally just list the the company that you've had for the last six years as just simply the place where you've been for the last six years. But again, focusing on those areas of competence at the top part of your resume as showing you are a chef and this is why. I think you're really close though. You don't have to, you don't have to go far at all. You know, I did a blog this last week where I talked about boomerang workers, and it really kind of relates to uh, what you're asking about here, Stephen, and going back to something that you did previously. But, you know, I'm seeing this interesting phenomenon as unemployment is very low. And yeah, it's nationally at 4.4%. You know, that's really low. I mean, we consider not a 5% unemployment to be full employment, meaning there's always going to be 5% of the workforce who are in flux. They're in between opportunities. They're looking, they're in transition. So 4.4 is really, really low. That means companies are desperately scrambling to find great employees. So there's a lot of companies that are looking at tried and true employees meaning they're rehiring old employees that were let go in leaner times. Now, what we refer to that as, and hiring experts call that, they call these people boomerang workers. And it means you've taken advantage of the knowledge capital that was built up, that you showed that you were 
competent in in the past. And there are a lot of companies that are actively encouraging this process. I mean, there's a Pittsburgh-based company, Mark USA, that actually hands out real wooden boomerangs to people they rehire. Now, if you left in good standing, that can be a possibility. It happens a lot. A company may hit kind of lean times and they let people go. And so they let you go. Now, if you told your boss, you know, he was a back end of a horse as you walked out the door, this may not be an option for you. But if you left with dignity, asking about being rehired may be a really strong possibility. So, hey, no, no, no shame at all. And going back to something that you did previously, I mean, we had one of the guys who was in our coaching mastery program went through with fine colors. He had come out of a corporate position. He was in a television, radio, media, and uh, decided he didn't want to be part of corporate America anymore. He wanted to be independent. So he came through our mastery program, went through with fine colors, helped him get a focus. He did his 48 hours of paid coaching, became fully certified, was rock and rolling. Asked me if we could go to lunch. And I said, sure. We went to lunch and he says, man, I ought to be just happier than a clam. He says, I'm not. He said, I miss the old days of being part of the team, the camaraderie, you know, hanging around, talking about the ball game last night, you know, doing things together after work. He said, I miss that. He said, it's lonely being an entrepreneur, just being a coach like I am. And I said, man, you need to go get a job now. Well, he was blown away at my response because he had come to me to learn how to be a coach and we helped him through that process. A pretty, you know, involved process. I said, you need to go get a job. I said, you got a great background and what you have learned, the competencies that you have gained as a coach will do nothing but help you as you go back into a corporate position. He was extremely relieved, put his resume together, put it out there, immediately got job offers, took a position, $140,000. His wife was thrilled because now no longer was he bringing it home with him every day. Home at five o'clock, he's finished. She was happy. He was happy. He loved being plugged back in to the team again. That's the deal. That's the deal. You know, when, when I talk about being an entrepreneur, being a freelancer or whatever, it's not that I want everybody to get there. I want you to know the options so you can then choose and decide where you do fit best. And for him, he realized he's a team player. He doesn't need to be an entrepreneur out here doing it on his own. And I am his biggest cheerleader for doing exactly that. Well, I got a question here from Ray. Now, this has to do with a book. I'm going to play it. It's a short clip, but it addresses an issue. I'll explain the issue and also answer his question. Check this out. Good morning, Dan. My name is Ray Matz, a student of yours from Coaching with Excellence. I have a two-part question regarding a book. How important is it to have a forward on your book? I notice you have Dave Ramsey forwarding your book. 48 Days to the Work You Love. And my second question is, would you consider doing a forward on my new book, Game Changing Dad, since you are definitely a game-changing dad? Have an awesome and blessed day. Well, Ray, thanks for your question. love the uh, direct question that you have. Do you need a forward in a book? Now, when you have a forward in a book, there are really 
multiple kind of ways to start a book. A lot of you are authors out there. A lot of you have already done books. And typically you have a forward or you can have a preface or you can have an introduction. A forward is one that is done by somebody else. And incidentally, when you ask for a forward, I, I get a lot of requests for forwards. And one of the deal breakers is when somebody asks for an F-O-R-W-A-R-D. That is not what you're looking for. Please know the writing terminology. What you're looking for is an F-O-R-E-W-O-R-D, a four word, not a forward, like you're pushing something. It's a four word. Anyway, small detail, pet peeve of mine. But do you need a forward? No, you really don't. Now I did with 48 Days to the Work You Love, and I'll tell you exactly why I did that. Because I got Dave Ramsey to do it. Dave Ramsey had an exploding radio show going nationally. So he had a really well-known celebrity name. Yeah. If you can get somebody like that to do a forward, by all means, do it. Aside from that, it really doesn't have a lot of value. So if you get a college professor that you, you know, somebody that you had a class with to do a forward, eh, or your boss at work to do a forward, eh, it probably doesn't mean much. So you really want to look for somebody who gives a name recognition on the front cover because booksellers, book buyers do look at that. And that does give you some weight. Now, let me ask, answer the second part of your question. Am I willing? I'm certainly willing. The fact that you have been here for an event puts you in the running, right? I mean, that makes a big, big difference. If somebody's already come to one of our events here, they're actively involved in the 48 Days community, that puts you way in a different position than all the random requests that I get for endorsements and forwards. So sure, and the idea that you are doing something in the game-changing dad's space anyway, yeah, I'd be happy to look at that. You can just shoot that to me, and uh, I'd be happy to to consider it. No promises, but I'd certainly be happy to consider doing a forward on that. Now, the other things that I mentioned, a preface, that's done by the author. That's just where you're just kind of given kind of a taste of what's going to be what it could is going to come. You don't have to have that. You can start right in with chapter one, an introduction. I like to have introductions to my books to give people kind of a lay of the land and what to expect before I start right in with chapter one. Now, as an example, I uh, had Dave Ramsey do the forward on 48 Days to the Work You Love. God, I don't even remember. I don't think I had anybody do a forward to No More Mondays. I mean, again, it's it's something that you can decide it's not a necessary part of a book. You can have a very successful book with no forward. You'll see lots of those out there. And usually a forward is, it's because there's somebody that, uh, whose name you want to have on the front cover of the book with you. That's what that's for. Kim says, I've worked in a few call centers for the past 15 years and I need a drastic change but I feel like I can't get away from jobs that have call centers. I don't want a desk or phone job. I absolutely hate it and I need a drastic change, but still decent pay. Every job I see, I don't meet the qualifications since I'm just a customer service rep. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about just a customer service rep. This is one of those things where as a customer service rep, it's like an administrative assistant. I mean, I know administrative assistants who make 
$28,000 a year, and I know administrative assistants who make $120,000 a year. It's a term that covers a broad spectrum of work. Customer service rep certainly does that. There might be ways to leverage what you've done into another position that's called customer service rep, but something that you would really like. Now, if you need and if you absolutely hate it and you need a drastic change, Kim, then sit down and identify what are some things that you do really well with all of your 15 years of experience. You know, you can be identified as more than just a customer service rep. What are the things where you're really good? It may be negotiating conflict or, you know, helping with logistics or budgeting or forecasting or customer data input or software programming. I mean, you expand on the things so you can identify two or three things that would really set you apart from just one more person who can, you know, pick up and answer the phone. But I also want to give you a little taste here. Earlier, I read the poem from Cliff. Is there a way to ensure that your job's safe and secure? Are you going to bend with every trend and successfully go around each detour? Cliff told me a little bit about himself. I didn't know he's been submitting poems for a very long time. But I just connected with him finally, you know, when he sent me this compilation of 48 poems, it blew my mind. He says, okay, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I consider myself a customer service professional as I take calls and answer emails for one of the largest toy companies in the world, employed by one of the leading call centers in the nation. And I do love my work. I'm 61 years old and poetry is something that has blossomed late in life. What I want you to hear, Kim is that there are people who have customer service professional positions and love them. So don't think that that itself is a category of work that nobody wants. No, other people wouldn't love to have what it is you're doing now. Make sure that you aren't uh, throwing the baby out with the bath, I guess is my point. But take the best of what it is you've been doing, but then identify what would you be a candidate for? I mean, if you've been, if you've been a great customer service rep, you could be, golly, you could be an assistant in a dental office. I was in the dentist office this week. My gosh, Cammie at the front desk is amazing. I mean, she knows, you know, what kind of car I drive, what my kids' names are, you know, ask me about things that you know, we talked about six months ago. I mean, she's amazing at that. Now, I hope she's paid really well, and I suspect that she is. I mean, the whole office is is uh, not shabby, believe me, but... Um, I mean, you, I could see you being in a position like that, where it's a very responsible, very first front and center kind of position that's very important to a company. So decide what it is that you are a candidate for, where you could reposition yourself, put together a resume. Gal, if you need, um, you know what, I'm going to make sure that you've got a copy of the new 48 Days to the Work You Love because I lay out in there how to take your question. You hate what you're doing. You drastically need a change and you want a, a drastic change. And I walk you right through how to do that. I'll make sure that we send you a copy of the new 48 days to the work you love the 10th anniversary edition. You know, I, I see people shoot me photos of, Hey, I just found your, you know, your book in a bookstore. And then I see that my gosh, 
Barnes & Noble, you know, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, is still selling the 2010 version. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy about my publisher that they're still sending out automatic orders for a book that has been updated and revised dramatically. Anyway, that's another story. Well, and Cliff incidentally says, I've already given away two copies of 48 Days to the Work You Love. I bought this one from christianbook.com for $2.99. It had a dimple in the front cover. I bought it so I could write you some poems based on the book. I decided I should write four poems per chapter so you could have 48 of them. The poems are attached and that's where we started. I told Cliff, my goodness, we're going to send Cliff a box of books that he can give out anytime he wants to. I gave him complimentary membership in the 40 Days Eagles group. I mean, when we have people who show their value and step up to the plate like that, my gosh, they become part of our gang here. We love to have people like that involved. So we're going to send Cliff some books so he can give away copies of 48 Days to the Work of anytime he wants to. Not a problem. Well, Greg says, do you remember the site you recommended to callers who have a t-shirt idea to see if there's a market before they make an investment? Yes, absolutely. Now that's, that's a really common thing to do. And the, the primary site I would recommend for that is Zazzle, Z-A-Z-Z-L-E. And you can do what you're talking about, Greg. You can have a, a quotation that you came up with or a little graphic design or a funny little kind of comic or cartoon or whatever. And you could put it out there at Zazzle on a T-shirt with, with um, I'm not sure if there's any cost at all to you. I don't think there is. The question then is, Will people want to buy that with your design on there? If they do, then they sell it, they ship it, and you get a percentage of the profits. I mean, that's a, you talk about a, a, a zero risk kind of idea. What you don't want to do is come up with that great quotation. I don't care if it's, you know, life is good. You don't want to come up with that. Print 10,000 t-shirts. You got them stacked in your garage. And then you call me and say, hey, Dan, what can I do with these t-shirts now? That is a recipe for disaster. Don't do that. So test your ideas. And if you have something, you come up with something that really, you know, like life is good, that really takes off. Sure, you can do all kinds of things on your own after that. A couple other sites are Cottonable, just like it sounds, C-O-T-T-O-N-A-B-L-E.com and T-Hunter, T-E-E hunter.com. You can do the same kind of things there, but Zazzle is a really well-established one. We've been referring people there a lot. Just got a new coffee mug from Kent Julian yesterday here that he got from Zazzle and it's personally designed for me uh, based on my recent birthday and it's got 48 Days Dan on it, the logo, 48 Days Dan on it. It's really beautifully done and he had it done at Zazzle. It came in the box so I know it came from Zazzle. All right, let me get to this question. Now, I'm going to read you more than I typically do because uh, Billy, the, the author of this question, really does a great job at laying things out. It's got so many issues in there that are common issues for lots and lots of you listening. And then the things that I'm going to recommend, I mean, if you've been a regular listener, probably nothing will surprise you. Well, maybe I may have a couple surprises in here, but this is the recently fired pastor. So Billy says, Dan, I've discovered your podcast materials recently. They've been immensely encouraging to me. I bought your book, No More Dreaded Mondays, and I'm working through it right now, and I'm really encouraged by it as well. 
Great stuff. Keep it up. Let me give you the context of my story. I've been a student minister in Alabama for the past nine plus years. As a result of changing leadership, a new senior pastor last August, I was asked to resign from my position due to the leadership's desire to go in a different direction. <laughs> Don't you love that? You know, that that's a term that's been used in every situation known to man. But here we are in a church. They let a pastor go because they're going to go in a different direction. What the heck does that mean? Uh, I mean, uh, well, I, I'm not even going to speculate there. It'd be fun to kind of plant on that and um, talk about a church going in a different direction. But anyway, be that all as it may, Billy says, in all, and I'm skipping parts here, he says, in all fairness, I didn't help the situation with a somewhat stinky attitude resulting from much frustration and tiredness due to the position I was in. Okay, now here's some details that are important because I'm going to reference this. They gave me a three-month severance package, which ran out, April 30th. So here we are over three weeks beyond that as I'm recording this. Over that time, I've created a blog and have enhanced my online social media presence and have been reading books about how to have necessary endings and let go of the past as well as your book, No More Dreaded Mondays. I've also created a lead pastor resume and have been diligently seeking a position to that end. Regardless, I'm not looking forward to my next step, which is why I'm emailing you. As I look at my skills and talents, many say that I am both a preacher and a professor. Many at my former church really thought that I'd be a good fit teaching in a college or seminary as a professor. There are many in my life for 10 plus years now that have been saying this to me about being a professor and recognize those traits within me as well. As I have listened to my life, love that term. That's uh, an old Quaker saying, let your life speak. I believe that I need to try and pursue this professor itch of mine. As I mentioned, I'm also looking for a lead preaching job, but I'm also seeking to possibly get my PhD. If lead pastoring fits me, then I would like the PhD so that I'll be able to teach in a seminary when I'm older, or I might discover that as I'm doing a PhD, my scholarly desires may overtake my preaching desires. And I might try to get a professor job upon completion of a PhD instead of just pastoring. In a strange way, it has also been sort of a dream of mine to complete a PhD as well. I'm 38 years old. So I'm a tad older than most people getting their PhDs, but I thought that if I could graduate at 43, so that's five years out, that would then give me a good 30 years of professorship. I would also like the degree for possibly added security should the pastoring position not work out. I am looking out, listen to this, this, this concerns me. I'm looking to ask those in my former church to assist in paying for this degree as we do not have the money ourselves. Many of those in my former church love me, believe in me, and I believe would help with the payments. Tuition is 18.5 for the seminary and I'm looking then to then there's another 14,000 added on. If I do it long distance and have to travel back and forth to campus several times over the next five years. So coming to a, around a $32,000 total. I'm set on not taking out any loans, but to pay for the PhD in full. I'm considering setting up a GoFundMe for this endeavor as well, since I do see some asking for education funding there. Dan, I know you're not a huge fan of formal education, but I don't see how to be a professor without the PhD. Plus, wouldn't the PhD give me added value on a resume for another ministry position or professor job somewhere? 
What do you think of the idea of me getting a PhD and the method by which I'm seeking to pay for it? What am I missing here? Finally, okay, a little bit more here, and then I'm going to unpack this for Billy and a whole lot of other you who are scratching your heads at this point. Finally, as I've listened to your show and as I've read from the Council of Others, uh, particularly those that recommend that every minister should find some type of second income due to the unstable nature of ministry, I do believe I should find a side hustle besides ministry or being a professor, but I do not have a clue as to what that would be with my skills. My secular employment has been in the grocery store as a bagger, Chick-fil-A as a shift manager, and then in student ministry over the past nine years. My skills are that I'm an analytical, big picture thinker. I can speak in public. I like to do research and to write as well. I have an interest in the area of doubt, particularly those that doubt religious matters, which is what I would like to write my dissertation on. I've even thought about setting up a doubting coach online or something of that matter where I'm assisting those that struggle with intellectual skepticism. But could that actually bring an income? Like an online doubting advisor. I have a bachelor's in religious studies, Spanish minor, master's of divinity, then a master's of of arts and apologetics, which is, of course, a branch of teaching that helps people answer questions about faith who struggle with doubt and that kind of thing. I'm he says, I'm sorry, this is so long, but what do you suggest? What are the types of dream jobs are other pastors coming up with that you hear of? Anything I'm missing here? Sincerely, Billy. Wow. Okay. we got six minutes to talk about this. I love your question, Billy. I, I love the thoroughness of it. And, and again, I never read something that long, but you, you have so many things in there that you've addressed. So, to start with, let me just frame this, and I'm going to make some real broad generalizations. I absolutely do think you should go get your PhD. Absolutely. You, you have, there's so many things in here that lend themselves to that kind of scholarly academic environment that obviously is appealing to you. Absolutely. Go ahead and do it. You've already got two master's degrees. Knock it out. Get it out. And there are also recurring red flags about you being a pastor. I mean, you you talk about it even now as, yeah, you're going to do that, but you know you need something on the side. Yeah, you know you need a safety net because it may not work out. I mean, stop trying to talk yourself into doing that. There are plenty of ways that you can minister and fulfill God's calling on your life without being in a pulpit on Sunday. I may have to devote it. If I get enough feedback, I may devote an entire segment to pastors leaving the ministry because we know that about 1,500 pastors are leaving a month either because of their own choosing or because they're being forced out 1500 a month. Now we're not putting enough people through seminary to fill those positions. There's a lot of vacancies out there, but it's so volatile. The demands are so unrealistic. There's a whole lot of things happening. Now that being said, yes, I think you ought to get a PhD. You say that it's going to come to around $32,000 total. And that's going to be over five years. I mean, that's only $6,400 a year, $533 a month. I mean, certainly you can do something to give you that much discretionary income to just fund this out of your pocket. Do I think that you ought to go back to the people in your church who let you go and then give you a three-month severance and ask them for money? No. I mean, if you do that, you have far more audacity than I could ever muster up. And I'm a pretty audacious guy. I would never have the guts to go back and ask those same people to now help fund me going to college. And a GoFundMe site? 
man, I'm not a fan of that at all. I mean, if you showed that to me, and I mean, if you showed it to me with tears in your eyes, would it encourage me to give you money to go get your PhD based on everything that I know? Not a chance. I mean, I'm really supportive of you getting your PhD, but you need to hold your head high and make that happen on your own. I I don't see how that would fit with my philanthropy, my donations, my giving spectrum to help you advance your career by getting another degree. Just do it. Just do it. Kelly, we had, we had dinner the other night with some friends and uh, well, it's Jim and Chris Howard. Jim is the publisher from Morgan James Publishers. Their daughter, Lauren, delightful young lady, 16 years old with them. She's 16 years old. She'll graduate from high school next year. Now this, this really gets into the education thing. She'll graduate from high school next year. And she will also at the same time, get her associate's degree. Meaning she has two years of college behind her. She's already taking college courses and she's going to graduate from high school and get her associate's degree at the same time. Then she'll have two years left to get her degree. She knows it's a walk in a park to get that degree. Yeah, she is probably going to go live on campus because she's just looking for that kind of experience being out of the home. So she's going to go there because of the social experience. That's cool. There's just so many ways to approach this. I mean, I got my master's degree and then completed my doctoral studies all in a very timely fashion. No student loans, no loans of any kind. While I was doing that, I painted houses, did small repairs. Joanne, my wife, did custom sewing for hard to fit women. And of course, by the time I started my doctoral studies, I was already coaching and getting paid for that. Now, here's here's the deal. And I'm going to walk through some things really quickly here. Of all the degreed professionals in America, the two lowest paid professions in this order are pastor and teacher. Now, unfortunately, or, or whatever, Billy, you, your attraction is to the two lowest paid professions in America. Now, according to the National Association of Church Business Administration, the average pastor last year, the last year that we have records for, received an annual salary of $28,000. One of every five pastors has to work a second job to support himself and his family. The average pay for a pastor in America is $28,000. When you say my skills are that I'm an analytical and big picture thinker, I can speak, I like to do research, I like to write as well, absolutely develop a little ebook on your area of specialty, on doubt, on, on how you doubt. I mean, Ryan Dobson, Jim Dobson's son, who's a, a friend of mine, wrote a book, Wanting to Believe, Faith, Family, and Finding an Exceptional Life, Wanting to Believe. Yeah, he addressed his doubts in there growing up in a family with James and Shirley Dobson. I mean, how do you, boy, how do you step up to the plate with that? I mean, write an ebook that you sell for $17, sell a thousand of those a year while you're going to, that's 17,000 bucks. And you can do a little audio program. You can create a course of some kind. I mean, when I did 48 low cost business ideas, my goodness, I had in that, I had the first three weeks had over 90,000 people who downloaded that little document that I had. It let me know that's a viable product. We turned it into a product that we sell for $17 electronically, 20 hardcover. 
We sell thousands of those. You've got so many things you can draw from here. I mean, you've heard me talk on here last week. I talked about Vincent Puglisi, who put together a course on how to take better pictures of your kids playing sports. He opened it, and on the first day, the course brought in more than $33,000. I talked last week as well about Carrie Olson, who is doing voiceovers. She's discovered she enjoys doing voiceovers. Last year, she made $104,000 doing voiceovers, staying at home, a full-time mom. And you could put together a membership site where people pay 10 bucks a month because they have doubts and questions in their faith. You have 150 members, that's 1500 bucks a month. I mean, you've got so many things you can draw from. Man, you need to walk forward with your head held high. You don't need to beg, borrow, or steal. You can do this. Get your PhD. Explore the next opportunities for you. If you want to be a college professor, I mean, I see you're already teaching. You're already teaching Birmingham Theological Seminary. Man, you're set up to make this thing happen. No problem at all. Now, here's the deal. And if we go back to our our quotation for the day, what happens when something comes along that seems like a disaster? When it's dark enough, you can see the stars. I think you're just getting ready to break through and see the stars that have been there all along. They've just been clouded over by your circumstances. Now you can see them. Man, great questions. Keep them coming. Ask Dan at 48days.com. Thanks for being part of this group where we're growing together. We are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, full of passion. All those wonderful things internally and profitable. Absolutely. Don't settle for less. Have a great week.